Welcome to Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. Do you sometimes feel alone in life with personal and interpersonal struggles and challenges? We'll show you that you are not alone and that you can learn and thrive from your challenges and thereby live a healthy life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Vadisha Patel. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I'm excited to bring you an hour of conversation pertaining to issues of wellness, understanding emotions, and relationships. Today, we're talking about mental health, mental illness, and associated stigma. Mental illness seems to be at the top of the news these days with people questioning if more of us have mental illnesses than before or if we're just more aware of it. Is it is it that people are being diagnosed more readily or is it that we just are reading more about it in the papers? It is especially prominent among youth and college age individuals. And yet, there's a severe stigma attached to mental illness, which prevents individuals from seeking help and also prevents families from accessing support. So in our time today, I intend to explore some of the stigma around mental health and introduce you to a wonderful organization called the National Alliance for Mental Illness, or NAMI. NAMI has affiliates around the United States and works to assist individuals with their mental health concerns and to support their families as well. Today, I'm joined by a friend and a colleague who is the president of the NAMI Sarasota County Affiliate. That's the affiliate for the county where I currently reside in sunny Florida. Pat Mahoney has been the president for our local affiliate since March of 2017. She was born in London, England, where she went to school and worked until 1994. She's lived in Germany since then for the past 23 years before moving to Sarasota, Florida in 2016. Her training is extensive in nursing, psychology, and public health. Shortly after arriving in Sarasota, Pat volunteered for our local NAMI affiliate. Clearly, they saw her potential and recruited her onto the board, and then almost immediately elected her president. Pat, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for the invitation, Vidisha. Yeah. Well, I'd like to start by asking you if you would tell us a little bit about yourself and how you picked this career um, and what brought you to uh, brought you to work with NAMI after that as well. Yes, what brought me to NAMI? I mean, I arrived in the States two and a half years ago and stopped working from a uh, a busy full-time job and thought, how am I going to spend my time? So I decided I would volunteer. And um, I have a, a background. I trained as a mental health nurse many years ago. Um, I also have a family connection. I have a, an older brother who lives with schizophrenia. Um, and so, uh, you know, as Nami would say, I, I have lived experience of, of a mental health condition in, in, in many ways. And so I just thought, ah, oh, this would be interesting. Let me, let me see what, what Nami's all about. And, um, yeah, as you explained, I, I joined the board. Um, and, um, yeah, so my, my personal connection, I, you know, it's probably no accident that, Growing up, um, my brother was probably had his first break when he was about seventeen. So I was 
12 or 13 at the time. So I, I witnessed and lived with, you know, his mental health distress, my family's distress. And um, after working and studying for a period of time, I decided I would, I would train as a mental health nurse. So that was, that was when I think back, you know, very clearly linked to my, my personal experience. So, yeah, that's all, that, all those things have brought me to NAMI. Well, that that's um, that's wonderful. I think it's great that you, whether you saw the connection or not, but you made the connection between your lived experience and what you decided to do with your career. Um, how did you hear about NAMI when you were in Sarasota? Uh, very coincidentally, bumped into somebody in a restaurant who, you know, sat at the same table and we just started to, to talk. And he said, what are you going to do with yourself? And I, he said, you need to volunteer. So I said, I'm not quite sure what. I've got some experience around mental health. He'd worked in the mental health court, coincidentally, in Sarasota. <laughs> He said, you need to reach out to NAMI, and he, he emailed me the um, the website for the local affiliate, and um, I then reached out to them and, yeah, became involved. Well, that's wonderful, because I must say that since you have been involved with NAMI, I see it everywhere, and I'm hoping that more and more people become familiar with it. Can you tell us a little bit about NAMI at the national level as well as, well as the local level and um, maybe how it's structured and how it came about? Yes, uh, NAMI uh, formed in 1997 and it was really organized by families uh, sitting around a kitchen table and really trying to seek treatment for their loved ones and um, looking at how to educate themselves better and how to work around advocacy. And from that sort of kitchen table meeting in 1979, there it's grown to a, a, a national organization with um, over a thousand affiliates in, in the United States. Um, there is a national, um, there's a national um, office um, there is also, uh, and there are also at state level, most, I think all states in America have a, a state um, level organization. And then affiliates are organized uh, sometimes at county, sometimes multiple counties work together to cover a particular, um, provide programs to a particular geographical area. And um yeah, that's the, the, there are 10 signature programs, um, and they're all very much around education, support, and advocacy. Um, mm-hmm. NAMI has a helpline, which is toll-free, which is 800-950. It also has a text line that you can text in a crisis, which is uh, 741-741. Uh, it also has an excellent website, which is NAMI.org, so that's N-A-M-I dot org, and you can find your local services, you can find, so your local affiliates, you can find out which programs are running locally. But it's a very, it's a grassroots organization, so it's, it's, um, it's as good as the, org- the, the organization locally, and um, 
and who becomes involved and who becomes active. And um, yeah, our local affiliate has a whole range of people. We have a board member who is um, a lieutenant in the sheriff's department. He teaches the crisis intervention team training for the police. We have our vice president who um, lives with um, a bipolar disorder and has has had a, a very long and successful um uh, voluntary non-profit uh, career uh, funding organisations and fundraising. We have people from local behavioural health services. We have um, family members who um, have a loved one and, and offer their skills around communication or around website design. So we have a, a, a um, but but I think everybody on our board has a personal connection so that there is a there is a real passion and drive there (laughs) that's 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 interesting so is that a prerequisite of of sorts that to be involved it it, that uh, nami wants people with lived experience uh, you know i'm not necessarily i think there are many um many non-profit board and affiliate boards across the country where people have, have joined because they they want to serve, they want to work with a non-profit um, or they want to learn more about mental illness. I have to say most people gravitate, my experience is that they gravitate towards NAMI because they have a personal connection somehow. So... Um, you know, it is, but it isn't a personal requisite to be a board member. To take part or to, to train with some of the programs, you have to have either lived experience of mental illness or you have to have a family family member or a loved one to, to take part in them. So, um, but I can, I can tell you more about the detail of that. So, yeah, but most people find us because they're... You know, they're they're seeking more information, support, education. Um, It can be housing. It can be, you know, they're in a crisis, a whole range of reasons. Um, And they they find their local, their local NAMI affiliate that way. Right. Well, I'm I'm curious about, um, because you have talked about a lot of people, at least locally, who have this lived experience or have some experiences with mental illness either with family or friends or themselves um, but I'm interested with how that connects with stigma because there what is your opinion I mean I feel that stigma is still very much a big issue in this in this area and it I feel it stops people especially the college age uh, students or younger students from seeking mental health or accepting mental health how what is your view on how stigma plays into all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, sometimes one can, you know, read read news, the newspaper, one can look at, or, you know, social media and um, listen to the Academy Awards or the BAFTAs and, you know, you think Lady, the wonderful Lady Gaga, look at Lady Gaga, what she said the other day about, you know the importance to, to talk about mental illness and think it's people are talking about it. It's it's the, the stigma's breaking down. But then regularly, um, someone will call one of our members will will call. I, for example, this the last 
couple of weeks I've been calling people who are attending one of our programs, which is a 12-week education class called Family to Family. Uh-huh. And many of these families have never spoken to anyone outside their own family about their loved one. Um, they, uh, and some of that is fear, some of it's shame, some of it's embarrassment. Um, and um, people that live with men- mental uh, health conditions often don't speak to other people about them. They don't necessarily share their, you know, their issues with people in the office, at work, or with their neighbours. And um, when you can think of other people, you know, there's no shame attached to diabetes or heart disease or other, you know, health issues. But there is a real, there is still a real divide between mental health, uh, mental illness and and physical illness. And when you listen to the narrative around mental illness, when there's, you know, particular incidents happen, you know, people look for the for the cause and mental illness is 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 often given as the as the reason why certain issues happen it, particularly violence um shootings it's you know the the issue of mental illness comes up and the the, the reality is most people that uh live with mental health conditions are more likely to be a victim of violence than be a perpetrator um and Every time they, you know, the the news reports these issues, of course, you know, it makes people feel less likely to yeah. to share their to share their illness. So, I mean, well, I think for many, it is still associated with, you know, like a moral failing, like a lack of willpower, or they're not trying hard enough, you know. Um, and that really is that really is not is not the case. So one in five people live with a with a mental health condition. It's more common than heart disease. You're more likely to have a mental health condition than you are to have heart disease, cancer, diabetes. And um, you know, the more we start to speak about uh, and learn more about uh, and share yeah. our knowledge, then you know that just has to be positive, really. Mm. Right. Yeah. Well, it is. Those those statistics are quite scary, actually. And yeah. um, and you you are right. I think there's a fear around mental illness. I think um, yeah. when we talk about um, emotional regulation and we talk about being able to be in relationship with people, not not necessarily a significant other, but any type of relationship in the community, friends. Um, workplace I think there is a there is a fear if you know that someone has a, um, is suffering from a mental illness that um, how will they react what will they do and I think mm. you're right I think it comes from probably a lack of knowledge in our community yeah. about um, what exactly it means and later on in the show we'll talk about a specific uh, mental illness, and we'll go into it in more detail. Um, but I would agree but with I you. Think one I think yeah, you mentioned earlier um, one of the really sad things is I think it, uh, the stigma prevents people from reaching out for help or treatment. And you know, when you actually understand and um, and learn more about mental m- mental illness. I mean, there is a trauma in having a diagnosis that, you know, it, it, when you learn more about it, 
um, it's you know it's it, it's really hard as a young person or as as an adult to to come to terms with that. However, um, we can also learn that you know treatment is very much better, medication is very much better, um, and that we can we can actually live with hope and that you're not alone with this illness. You know that's what NAMI is all about to say that live with hope, learn as much as you can and, um, you know, do reach out for help. Well, exactly. And that's why we need we need more people to know about NAMI. I think just when somebody is acknowledged, somebody's feelings are validated, I think it makes a huge difference in on their way to coping with their life, possibly towards um, becoming healthier and better and um, not that the mental illness will necessarily go away but that they learn how to live with it Um, we are going to head to a short commercial break so don't go away we'll be right back and to talk some more about NAMI and we're going to actually hopefully go into some of the specific programs that NAMI offers um, and we can finish up our conversation about stigma as well so hang on we'll be right back Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you living a healthy and fit lifestyle? It's not just related to your physical well-being. It also means a healthier mind, confidence, improved health, stamina, and fitness. Talking with Tremaine brings it all to you. Host Tremaine Ellis, along with her husband and co-host David Ellis, will offer support, advice, guidance, and motivation to keep you in your best shape, both physically and mentally. Talking with Tremaine can be heard live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks. Live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number 4, 
kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. Welcome back to Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Vidisha Patel, and I am delighted to be in conversation today with Pat Mahoney. Pat is the president of the Sarasota County, Florida affiliate of NAMI, the National Alliance for Mental Illness. And we're discussing mental illness and associated stigma. NAMI is a national organization with local affiliates in virtually all the states, I believe, and they offer programs to support individuals and families. And so, Pat, in this segment, I really wanted to spend some time to understand the different programs that NAMI offers throughout their communities. Yeah, okay. Well, NAMI has 10 um, signature programs, and um, they run support groups, um, and they, we run education classes, and um, we run a program in schools called Ending the Silence. So if I start to just talk about the support groups, there's a, a support group called Connection Recovery Support Group, and that uh-huh. is for people who, who live with mental illness. And... Um, it's, a, it's a, a, a group that you can drop into. And really the, the focus of it, it, it's facilitated by people with lived experience of mental illness. They've been through training and they follow particular principles. Um, but the, the, the aim of it is to, 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 um, to learn better coping skills, to aim for better coping skills, to, so, um, uh, to gain... To gain strength in sharing um, and forgive ourselves and reject guilt, to embrace humor as healthy, uh-huh. uh, and to accept that we can't solve every problem, and to um, focus on the fact that mental illness is, is no one's fault. So that's um, those are the sort of guiding principles, if you like, for the group, and um, most affiliates will have um, a a support group like that. So how does it it work, Pat, if if you have somebody with, say, depression, along with somebody with schizophrenia, along with somebody who has... um, another personality disorder perhaps all in the same group do, uh, does it matter what no, the I mental d- illness is does. no i don't i don't think it does um i mean i'm i'm not somebody who's the groups are confidential they're led by people with you know i mean our groups locally are led by but you know i know two of the our very skilled facilitators live with depression, others live with schizoaffective disorder, and there's a real, you know, others live with bipolar. It's a, it's a mix. So the people actually facilitating the groups, there's usually um, uh, a, a variety of people in, in attendance. Um, people do need to be able to sit through the session. I mean, it, right. you know, if you're not able, if you're not able to sort of you don't have to necessarily speak a lot or contribute, but they, you know, it really is, in, you know, important to be able to um, to be able to sit for, for for the period of time, and they usually they usually last ninety minutes. Um, so, uh, I, yeah, I often I, people tell me it's the first time that they've 
really had a detailed conversation with someone else with the same diagnosis as themselves. You know, they compare everything from, you know, the, maybe their symptoms, what, you know, the, the different medications that people have taken, um, how they, what, what they actually, um, if they've got the specific techniques to, um, if they're hearing voices, how they cope with that. Um, so there is a real sharing of um, sharing of experience. And, so it's um, uh, it, it's not uh, just a didactic session. It sounds like it's no. uh, peer support as well. Yeah, yeah. Everybody, you would start. I mean, I'm a I'm I'm trained to to facilitate family support groups, and it's a very similar principle for both groups. So everybody in the group gets an opportunity to to check in, so that everybody will get a chance to speak. You can pass if you don't want to speak, but everybody in the group will will say where they are, and and they all have a. You know, maybe a couple of minutes to do that, depending on the size of the group. And then usually from that, there will be common themes. There will be shared themes. And that's the facilitator will work with the group with those common themes. And then people within the group share their experience or describe circumstances and other people, you know, share their, basically share their experience. So it's there is a structure, although there is quite a lot of freedom within that structure. Um, but it's it's and, a drop in, so people don't yeah. have to come consistently once a week or once no. a month. It, no, no. Just so yeah. is there a lot can, of? Um, does it get utilised a lot? Do you know? We we uh, we have. Um, in Sarasota County, we have two groups. We really could do with three groups. Um, one group meets once a week. Another group meets uh, in another area in Venice for the south in the county meets twice a month. We could really do with another meeting further, further south. Um, we have, on average, between 10 and 15 people attending each group. So um, there is a need. I think people don't necessarily attend. You know, they won't be a permanent um, a member, but they'll drop in and out. There are people that do attend, you know, very frequently, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So they, the, you know, they they change the family support group, for example. I'm that I'm more involved in. People will will drop in, um, and then they will. They might they might be looking for particular resources from knowledge from the group. They may be wanting to share their experience and find out how other people have dealt. They may have had a really difficult situation, a hot potatoes, as they referred to. You know, a really <laughs> tough yeah. situation with their family member, their loved one. It may be the same with the person living with them, and they'll want to talk about that and um, right. and and so there is a there's an expectation that people listen that they don't judge that they don't think someone's someone's experience is less than their own and um, our, our family support group will have you know we'll have 10 to 15 people we've had experiences where we've had up to 25 30 after which is too large um, right. you know, a, a group a group with 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 ten people and fifteen people is is a good size. Um, and how how does yeah. how do the facilitators get trained? Is that a national level training? 
there is. Uh, there is. Um, there are um, at state level. There are you know lists of people that are trained as facilitators, and the, the, the at state level they will organise um, or they'll work with affiliates to organise training programmes. So it's usually a two. The family support group is a two-day training connection. Um, is also a two-day training and it's the same training so wherever you are in the country there is a there's a one signs an agreement that you will work with the fidelity you know you will you will maintain the same techniques and and model wherever you're working in the country and um yeah so there's a particular standard to it some of the some of the uh Programs have actually had quite detailed evaluations and um, have have got accredi- accreditations. Um, uh, so yeah, so I mean, I think they're you know they're well respected programs. That's wonderful. Now I have um, an interest, as you as you know, I'm in private practice and I work with a lot of families of children yeah. and young adults and. Um, yeah. NAMI has a program to go to the school system and I would love for you to be able to talk about that a little bit and how that works. Yes. Yeah, the uh, program for schools is called uh, Ending the Silence and it is a uh, a presentation aimed, it can be for middle school or high school and um, it's a 50-minute presentation that... um, is presented jointly with there's a lead presenter. Uh, sometimes that person is someone with with lived experience of mental health conditions. Sometimes it's a, someone who has a family member, and then we have a young presenter to talk about their particular story and their and their experience of mental illness. So it's very structured and it's uh, it talks. Uh, specifically, well, about how common it is. Um, it's interactive, uh, so um, y- young people get the chance to to talk about their experience. We talk about warning signs. We talk about um, how to how to look out for a friend. Um, how to reach out for help yourself if you need it. Um, to, to understand warning signs of suicide, um, to know how to um, ask somebody if, if you're worried, if they're thinking about suicide. That's something people are often very frightened to do, but um, people that are feeling suicidal, young people, um, will usually talk to somebody about that. And um, and then last the latter part of the presentation is about knowing who your local support you know who where you can reach out in your school as school counsellors who the trusted adult is that you you go and speak to um, and so it's really it's about ending the silence it's about young people even if it this isn't an issue for them at this moment in time that they will they will recognise. Um, mental health issues and know, have some understanding about what to do and and not feel that they've got to got to hide it because the you know when you look at statistics you know 50% of children between the ages of 8 and 15 um, 
experiencing a mental health condition don't receive treatment. You know, I've met um, some of our young presenters um, who started having symptoms as very young children, you know, at the age of six, sort of having, having hallucinations and thought that was perfectly normal, didn't even talk to a parent about it. And um, so, and when you ask young people in a class, you know, how many people know somebody or, um, you know, that, that this is mental illness, over half the class put their hand up. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very visual that, you know, and clear that, this is a this is a really common issue. After the presentation, there are always two or three um, young people who come up and have a specific question. Um, you know, often, um, and and will want to either express a concern or thank somebody, share an experience, um, ask specifically for help. So, so um, I, well, I have to ask, Pat, um, these, some of these people who had hallucinations at the age of six or other mental health symptoms, how did they finally come to, to talk to somebody and come to discover that this wasn't the, the norm? Um, yeah, um, often years later, that is the, you know, the very sad thing is that, you know, it can take, I think it's on average six to eight years before young people actually uh, get treatment for um, for for their illness. Um, you know, men, mo- most of the young people that share their experience in ending the silence just say I I just wish someone had spoken to me about this when I was your age this is why I do this because uh, if I'd known I would have got treatment earlier and my life would have been quite different so I just want you to know that you know if you or a friend (laughs) uh, are experiencing this please do something about it. And that's really very powerful, you know. Well, these sound like very powerful presentations. And I'm also curious, how are they received by the school system? Are you, is this just going into public schools or is it going into private schools or any schools? When you, when, as NAMI is an affiliate, we, we have to present, Certainly, I think it it would be the same. And every school board has to give approval for people speaking in schools. So what we did locally was we approached our school board and we shared the presentation and showed them the materials from NAMI. We had people trained that 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 would present, and they accepted us as a as a a, a non profit that 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 can approach schools. And then we um, what. But the board, school, our local school board actually um, asked us to present to all of the school councillors across the county, to all of the school nurses. And so we're gradually being invited into schools. Um, and we've already, we've, we started the programme last year and we've presented to four high schools so far. I mean, there's still another three to present to. And we're just, but you can also present it to, to um 
team court, you know, um, right. to to other to other. Um, but I mean, the actual presentation is just uh, it's yeah, it's just very useful. The other right. part of um, ending the silences is presentation specifically for school staff. So you know, everyone from teachers to people working on reception to resource officers to everybody. So there's a share understanding. Yeah. Hold that thought back. We're about to go to a quick commercial break. Okay. Um, when Sorry. we come back, we'll quickly talk about a few more of the programs that NAMI, yeah. the National Alliance for Mental Illness, offers. And um, we will go on to talk about some disorders. So hold on. We'll be right back. Your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Can you truly expand your possibilities beyond what your normal capabilities are? It's very possible when you can know more, do more, and be more. Tune in each week to Shift Happens with host Karin Weary. The world is waiting for you to show off your unique gifts. It starts with healing yourself mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Once the scars of our past are gone, we can truly begin to shine. Listen live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned into Perspectives with Dr. Vadisha Patel. If you would like to reach the show today, please call into 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Patel at drv4kids at yahoo.com. That's Dr. V, the number four, kids at yahoo.com. Now, back to Perspectives. 
Welcome back to our last segment of Perspectives for today. I'm Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host in conversation with Pat Mahoney from the National Alliance of Mental Illness in Sarasota County, Florida. Um, she is the president of that uh, affiliate. And we are. I had to interrupt you, Pat, as you were just talking yeah. about the programming. So I'd like to go back and give you a chance to just mention some of the other major programs that NAMI does offer. Yes. Um, if anybody wants to look at the detail of the program, on the bottom of the website, there's a list with links to all of the different programs. So I mentioned the support groups. We talked a little about, a bit about ending the silence. There are education classes that um, NAMI offers. One is called Family to Family. That is, a, uh, it's going to be a 10-week class, um, two and a half hours a week for 10 weeks, and that's um, for, for anyone who has a family member or a loved one with mental illness um, to learn about uh, d- diagnosis, medication, how to manage in a crisis, how to take care of yourself. Um, there are people come in and speak at those at those um, uh, uh, education classes from maybe from the police forces. We always have a section on advocacy. There's a person with lived experience that's in recovery who talks about their story, uh, how important their family were, how what they've actually done to move towards recovery. Families find that incredibly useful. Um, mm-hmm. There's a cl- an education class for people living with mental illness called Peer to Peer. Um, and the focus of that is to... Um, to really um, set a vision, future goals, to learn how to partner with healthcare providers, um, to develop confidence in decision-making, practice relaxation, stress reduction, um, improve communication, and to, um, to learn about treatment options. So that's a really, uh, again, that's a, an eight-week class. The same two and a half hours a week for for um, eight weeks, um, and again, very powerful. Um, people often at the end of those courses decide that they want to move towards advocacy, so they they're happy to tell their story. Quite often, they might join a take part in another program, which is called In Our Own Voice, where people with, with that live with mental illness tell their story. That that's another particular program. So um, all of the, there is a program also called Homefront for veterans. Uh, uh-huh. So it's it's quite a quite a wide ranging um, set, of, set of pieces of work. Um, so these yeah. these programs are it's quite comprehensive. It's actually far more comprehensive than I had realized in the beginning. So I hope that yeah. those who are listening do go to the NAMI website and then um, that's nami.org uh, yeah. and look up these various programs and see how they can get involved. And I feel like the message really is that um, it's okay that people are not alone. There are many others who have similar experiences and challenges and there are people out there that are willing to support and to help um so i should also mention that the programs are free we don't charge for uh, nami affiliates across the country do not charge for people to take part in 
um, any of the programs, which obviously is uh, (laughs) that's very important. That's very important. So, what I would like to do now, actually, is I'd like to um, ask you that if there was one illness that stands out in importance, that in your opinion, and I know that we typically hear people talk about depression, we hear people talk about anxiety, yeah. and often yeah. um, ADD or ADHD, but what would you say is the one illness that stands out in importance? That. Um, you know, if you're experiencing any illness, it's the most important one to you. But yes. I, I mean, I have to say, I suppose, I think some of the most debilitating mental health, serious mental health conditions are uh, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder and, and bipolar. And I say that because people that don't get treatment for those um, those illnesses can end up not graduating from school, dropping out of school, dropping out of university, dropping out of work. Um, They can be in and out of treatment programs. They can lose contact with their family. They can end up in jail very easily um, and they can... um, uh, you know, it's a, it's a really lifelong debilitating condition. If you do not, uh, they are debilitating conditions that um, have a huge personal cost to the individual, to their family, as well as the you know the economic cost to society in right. um, in in managing and treating people. Um, so that is not in any by any um, means to say someone that lives with depression or anxiety or obsession or compulsive or, or eating disorders is is of a lower dimension. It's just that that that. Um, um, yeah. So I. Yeah. I mean. I. Yeah. I don't. I well, it's there. It's all. They're all difficult challenges that impact individuals and their families and society. But um, yeah. I think we we read a lot more about bipolar in yeah. literature and newspapers. There's a, seems to be more yeah. conversation about it. Can you talk yeah. a little bit about what bipolar is and um, yeah. at what age yeah. one? might start to recognize that somebody has yeah. bipolar disorder? So bipolar is sort of, it causes dramatic shifts in mood and energy and ability to think clearly. So people with bipolar experience great highs and, you know, severe lows, mania and depression. The average age on set is 25, um, although it can be later. And the, there's about 2.6% uh, of the population in the U.S. will, uh, with, will uh, have, uh, live with bipolar disorder. Um, and uh, that compares to sort of people with schizophrenia. It's only about 1% of the population. I mean, the p- people with bipolar often take a long time to be diagnosed because... You know, um, when people are very, you know, I've heard people, people, our members that live with bipolar describe highs. You know, they would not, they would not like to live their life without having experienced the highs that they've they've experienced. Some of them have made huge amounts of money. 
Some of them have, you know, have had incredible experiences. They're incredibly popular at those times. They can be very, very creative at those times. Um, But then they can also really, you know, spend too much money, um, you know, get into you know, sexual patterns of behavior that they they regret bitterly afterwards. Um, they can, um, you know, they could, they can be, if they look back on their, on their behavior, they can be extremely embarrassed about it. Um, and then of course, you know, that after a mania, people can experience very, very severe depression to the point where they, they feel suicidal. And, um, so it's it's a it's a tough you know it's a really tough uh, mental health condition to live with. However, there is good treatment. There is really good treatment available. There's you know with psychotherapy, finding the right medication, which can be a real challenge for anyone with mental health conditions. But if one finds the right condition, uh, the medications that makes a huge difference. You know, is it is it more uh, more prevalent in men or women, or is it equally no, prevalent in both? The same. Both. I don't think it's more prevalent in men or women. It's the, it's the same. Um, things like um, sleeping, regular sleep patterns, avoiding alcohol, drugs, um, and you know, I've met people who have. Really, uh, have had been have been really severely ill, but have developed a lifestyle that they know they feel very confident will prevent them. You know, they feel happy that they they're less likely um, uh, to relapse, and that is very strict sleeping patterns, having very good diets, having the right amount of of sunlight each day physical activity so one has to be quite disciplined about it right um, but um, that seems counter to the symptoms though of the disorder the the discipline yeah. so it, it sounds like you need support from family or the community to yeah. to assist with that insight. I mean I think when people move towards recovery they develop insight so that they you know they well, certainly, people I've I've met living in recovery, um, you know, can can actually recognise what what may have triggered, what may trigger um, illnesses, and you know, it's it's common for people to do things like stop taking medication because they feel so brilliant. And right. Obviously, you know, one of the one of the downfalls, but. Um, yeah, so as I say, I've met many people um, who live really well, you know, have a very good quality of life once they learn to manage, you know, manage the illness. Um, in the same way that someone with diabetes probably does, you know, you Correct. can learn a yeah. lot about it. So, well, there, um, there are similarities between uh, physical illnesses and mental illnesses it's just it's it's a need to shift the conversation so that we sure. can talk about mental illness in the same same way yeah yeah now sure. when we had talked earlier you had mentioned something to me about uh, first episode treatment um, yeah yeah 
I mean, I've learned, I've, I was aware of first episode treatment, but I've just listened to a number of presentations recently and read some more about it. And, and um, it's a real challenge, but there is a very effective program of first episode care for people that develop psychosis, young people that develop psychosis. Um, in some countries, so for example, in the UK, there is a standard that if you present to your doctor with symptoms of first first episodes, you know, so your um, uh, clarity of your clarity of thought, inability to concentrate, hearing voices, um, having having delusions, that you would be sent to a specialist treatment centre for um, first episode care. And the interesting thing about first episode care is there's a specialist team that works around it. So you would you would see a psychiatrist for an evaluation and they would prescribe very low dosages of medication. Um, there's a particular type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, specifically right. for psychosis. Um, that's a talking therapy where people learn to manage those symptoms. Then there's support for the individual leader in school, university, or in the work place to maintain that contact so that they can continue to to study or to to graduate and then there's a, a program of support for family as well I mean if you're interested in looking at it there's really good information on the National Institute of Mental Health um, under RAIS, which is recovery after the initial schizophrenia episode, um, or on NAMI.org. Um, both of, both of give good accounts of that. Okay, that's those sound like great resources. Um, if, uh, if I had to ask you, is there anything else that you would like to highlight for our audience? Um, that There are so many questions left and so many discussions yes. left to have. But, I, would, um, I think, I think the, the, the most empowering thing to do if you have a loved one or if you feel you, have, um, you're, you may have a mental health condition yourself, just learn as much about it as you can. Become a really, you know, become really informed. Read good sources of information and look at evidence-based care. So, you know, National Institute of Mental Health, NAMI.org are both really good organizations to look at. Can you also give that number to call in if uh, that you mentioned at the beginning of the show? Yes. If people... Um, the, there's um, a, a telephone number which is there's a, there's a there's an army helpline which is eight hundred nine five zero, and if you're in a crisis you can text the seven four one seven four one. Um, go to nami.org and then you can find your local affiliate um, and look at which programs are available locally to you. Okay. Thank you so much, Pat. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today on Perspectives. A huge thank you to you, Pat Mahoney, from the president of the Sarasota County Affiliate of NAMI. Pat and, I have, been talk- you, Pat and I have been talking about the organization, about the various programs that NAMI offers um, across the country. 
and uh, their programs to support individuals and their families. Um, and we also were able to touch a little bit on bipolar disorder and in some ways that NAMI can help with that. So um, know that you can help too. Consider volunteering for a local NAMI program. Go to their website, nami.org. And if you know someone who suffers from a mental illness, consider connecting them to a NAMI workshop or the website. Um, one more time, can you tell me the the website before we say thank you and head yes. out? It's nami.org, N-A-M-I dot org. Thank you again for joining me. This is Dr. Vidisha Patel, your host for Perspectives. I look forward to being back with all of you next week. Have a wonderful week. Until next time. Thank you for listening to our program this week. Another edition of Perspectives with Dr. Vidisha Patel can be heard next Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Until we talk again, have a lovely week.